The opinions expressed on this program are solely those of its hosts, guests, or callers, and do not necessarily represent the opinions of WTBR-FM, its management, other producers, or sponsors. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBR-FM Pittsfield with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsfield. Thanks for tuning in. So today we have with us Tanya Frazier. She is a lead community navigator with Central Berkshire Habitat for Humanity. And uh, she is passionate about advocacy. She's passionate about service. She's passionate about eliminating barriers to access and building networks. And all of that culminates in fostering deeper community engagement in our city. So welcome, Tanya. Let's get started. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. So um, let's set the stage. You have lived in Pittsville since you were 17, but Pittsville is your adopted hometown. You actually grew up in Hinsdale. I did. So interesting. It is. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So Hinsdale is about uh, 15 minutes away from the city via car, but it can be a whole other world. So tell me how it was like for you growing up in a small town. Um, So we didn't have neighbors near us for miles, Uh Um, so you didn't really see a lot of people and in and out of school, and that's where you made those connections, was in school. Mm, All right, so you were really entrenched in, like, the hill town aspect of things. Yes. Um, All right, so did that um, build in a desire for you to, like, move to a big city because you had this environment, this rural environment around you? So I remember when I was little, um, my stepmom is actually from New York City. Mm -hmm. And so we would go there and visit her sister, who still lives there, and when I first went into New York City, I was completely in love. Okay, where in New York? Uh, Times Square. Wait, right the, there. She lives in. She actually lives Central Park West. Oh, okay. Um, so she's right there. So we went to Times Square mm-hmm. and did all of that, and I was just like, "Oh my God, I want, I want this." The bright lights, right? Yeah, it was amazing, isn't it? It's like it's magnetic. It's an energy um, that you feel like I'm. I'm from the city. Like I grew up in the Bronx, and um, I, it's like. It's so true when they say it's a city that never sleeps. Like, I mean, of course, my life is so different now that I wouldn't be wandering out at like 3 a.m. in the morning. But if I were, and if I were in New York City, there'd be lights and there would be people milling around. (laughs) Like, it's 2 in the afternoon. It's just, that's just New York for you. All right, so that that's sort of um, embedded in your heart. And you said, I like this. Mm -hmm. Mm. So I said, okay, well, I guess Pittsfield's like, the, the next best thing, right? Okay. So I can get, like, the feeling of the small area, mm-hmm. but also the sense of community. Okay, okay. Now, when you were um, still a child in Hinsdale, did you guys go to Pittsfield, like, for shopping and for different things? How did you get a sense that Pittsfield could be the right place for you? Um, it was really when I 
got into like my teenage years. Okay. Of me and my friends would be like, let's go to the city. And we would come down to Pittsfield. And we just thought that we were like the coolest things in the world because we were able to go to Pittsfield. Oh, I love it. I love it. Of course. So someone had a car. Yeah. So you just jumped in the car. Yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, it, the landscape was probably different. I mean, I know the mall was still active in Lanesboro. Mm-hmm. So the mall was there. And there was probably different stores and things on North Street that you probably got into and stuff. So it was a different environment. Absolutely. Mm, Okay. All right. So quick question about your family. Is your entire family from like the Berkshires? Like you can trace your family back? So my both of my parents were born and raised in Pittsfield and then they moved to Hinsdale when my mom was pregnant with me. Okay. All right. All right. Have you ever done like genealogy and things like that? I haven't. No? You're not are you not curious? I am. Um I just I don't know. There's something holding me back from it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I actually, I did mine, and it's fascinating. Um, but there's two there's two schools of thought. Like, there are some folks who are like, I don't want to know, and also, where's my DNA going? And then there's folks like me who are like, well, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, you moved to Pittsfield um, at the ripe age of what, 17? 17. All right. So, you know, moving, visiting and moving are two different things, right? So when you moved to um, Pittsfield, what, how, how did it, how did you settle into your new hometown and how were you made to feel welcome? Um, so it wasn't like I... I kind of made the decision to move. Um, It was kind of by default that I ended up Mm -hmm. um, in Pittsfield. But I was like, I am in the city now. Right. (laughs) I'm a city girl. (laughs) Um, And it it was rough for me when Mm. I first moved. Yeah. Um, Trying to adjust to like nonstop traffic Mm -hmm. and getting to places. But it was nice because everything was in walking distance, which is not the case in Hinsdale it's not I mean (laughs) no it's not um and in you definitely there's like the general store and you know if that closes then you have to go into town so it's definitely different experience so you're 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 trying to reconcile sort of this rural background now with this new city life were there folks who helped welcome you I mean um even though it was by default did you how did you build community in those early days Um, So it was really based off of friends that I had Mm -hmm. in Hinsdale that had family members in Pittsfield um, that I would go and spend time with and um, ended up living with one of them for a little while until I got my feet on the ground and Mm -hmm. everything. But, um, you know, I really didn't have like the red carpet rolled out for me and, Mm -hmm. you know, like help navigating Mm -hmm. everything in the city or the resources. And Mm -hmm. um, that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because I've been through a lot of the things that the community members that I help have been through previously. Right. Um, And so I just want them to know, like, they're never alone Mm -hmm. and someone's always behind you, Mm -hmm. rooting for you and cheering you on and you know, always come and find me. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, see, when we're going to get more into your work as a, um, a lead community navigator. And I think to your point just now about everything that you have gone through. So it wasn't just the move. There was also a big life change that happened for you. Like at 18, you became a mom. I did. And and I would think that that would also shape in your, your perspective in a way. How was it? How was motherhood like for you in those early days? Um, it was 
inspiring Mm -hmm. um, at times and also difficult, like Mm -hmm. knowing that I'm still kind of growing up myself and now I'm responsible for this tiny human being. Yes. Um, So it was difficult, but we made it through it Mm -hmm. and he he's amazing. He's 14 now. So (laughs) (laughs) isn't it? I I feel like, you know, I look back at my um, my early days of motherhood because um, I had my son when I was 24. And I feel like in those early days, sometimes it's a blur. Like there are a lot of things that you go through and you do and people say, I don't know how you how you do it. And you're like, because you just have to. Yeah, you there is no choice. Mm -hmm. Like you just have to do it. And so there are a lot of things that I feel like I've gone through that I don't quite remember all of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) And I, I look back at pictures and I'm like. Oh, yeah, that's why I look so tired there. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> mm, okay. Um, but but you, so you, your motherhood is under your belt right now. You're doing the best that you can, but you didn't let that stop you. You you knew that you wanted more. So talk about that pivotal moment where you decided that, all right, I'm going to, you know, motherhood is a part of my life, but there's also a what's next. Mm-hmm. So there came a time um you know, that I was just tired of working the regular jobs and feeling like there's no room for advancement in Mm. these places that I was working at, some like local pizza shops and stuff like that, just trying to make ends meet and be there for my son um, at the time. And so, you know, my dad was my biggest um, inspiration at that time. And Mm -hmm. he basically said, if you're going to advance in life, you need to have some more education under Mm, your belt. mm. So um, I enrolled into Berkshire Community College for my associate's degree in business. Mm -hmm. Um, The first time it did not go well. It did not. I could not figure out how to juggle school and a baby and all of that. Well, let's talk about that. Thank you for your honesty, because you probably, I mean, read magazines and articles all the time and people say, how do you juggle it all? And they're like, yeah. And they come up with this like great, (laughs) cute one liner. And you're like, hmm, maybe I should try that too. It's hard. It was. It's hard. And something gets dropped and something doesn't happen because you're trying to do all of it. And in the process, something has to give. So tell me more about that. Um, so at that time, um, you know, it was it was a lot and trying to balance school and the baby and full time nursing and all of that. It was just like I I have too much on my plate and I can't succeed at everything. Mm-hmm. And I recognize that. And the one thing that I was not willing to fail on was my child. Mm. So I took a step back mm-hmm. and just said, I need to be here 100 percent for him. Mm-hmm. And the time will come that I can get back in to myself. Hmm. All right. So in that, when when you had to take that step back, did that mean going back to maybe some of the jobs that you had previously held and just saying, I'm just going to do this for the interim? Did that, was that sort of the case for you? Yeah. So I just stayed mm-hmm. um, at the pizza place because I was working and school mm. and that it was just too much. It's a lot. I, yeah. It's a lot. So I stayed, um, you know, at the pizza place for a little while mm-hmm. until I could figure it out. Um, and then I actually transitioned to like three more jobs in the meantime of like, I, d- I just don't want to be at a pizza place anymore. Right. And I don't want to work nights and holidays right. and all of that. So 
um, I actually started working at Hillcrest Education, mm-hmm. and I was there for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had to leave for some personal reasons mm-hmm. with my son. And that was at that time when my son started kindergarten mm-hmm. that I re-enrolled back into BCC. Well, I think it's really um, impressive that you had that awareness um, of what you needed to do to find the balance that worked for you. Um, I think so many times we think we can carry it all on our back and then we collapse and then we wonder why we collapse because the load was too heavy. And I think especially at that age, you were really ahead of your years in terms of just recognizing something's got to give. Right. And there was also an element of selflessness, too, because you knew that in order for you to be the best for your son, you also had to sacrifice some of your personal desires. Um, and that's that's important because not everyone does that. Right. Not everyone does that. Um, and so um, hats off to you. <laughs> well, thank you. It was it was not an easy time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I, I can only imagine it's parenthood it's hard and um you know i think sometimes we see the pictures and stuff on social media and 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 it's great when the kids are like dressed up in their little cute clothes (laughs) and stuff but i always say it's what you don't see right it's everything that leads up to that photo shoot Mm -hmm. and beyond um but you're you're working your butt off you're doing everything um and then you like you said life um pivots and you're able to go back to school, you know, once he starts kindergarten. Tell me about that. Um, So it was nice because I could drop him off at school Mm -hmm. and then head to school myself Mm -hmm. and then be there to pick him up from school. And it was just like we were both going and Mm. doing what we were supposed to be doing during the day Mm -hmm. and then had dinner time with each other. And those are the moments that I embrace. Like still to this day, we Mm -hmm. all sit down at the table as a family every night and it's just it's those moments that carry you on each day i love it i love it because it's such a it's such a sweet moment i have to admit i struggle with my kids trying to get (laughs) to sit at the table um yeah it's i i can get i can get them to do it on on certain days but not all the time and so i just i love that that you're able to have those moments where you all come together what did your son ever say anything to you when he would watch you in those early years and say like oh mommy you're like you're studying like me do you ever remember anything he said to you um not along like those lines. Uh-huh. I think that it really didn't register for mm-hmm. him being so young and just seeing like, you know, I didn't do my homework when he was awake and okay. stuff. I spent all that time yeah. directly with him. Yeah. Um, and then I would pick up on it until, you know, right as soon as he went to bed, I'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, hit the books and okay. be up until, you know, 2 a.m. Yep. Get a couple hours mm-hmm. of sleep and mm-hmm. back at it again. Wow. All right. So one, you're like in the the business accounting world. So like you're really good with numbers. I am. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) 
Did you hear my hmm? <laughs> because my brain, I I love words, and so my brain gravitates to the side with words. And um, yeah, numbers. Um, yeah, more power <laughs> to you. So you were like, not only were you like juggling, you know, the 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 home life, but you're also doing really well. Like you earned like, uh, it's called like the Falconer Award. I did. Okay, so that's because like you did that mean that you hit like a certain GPA or something? Um, so my accounting teacher, yeah. um, Professor Gauger, yeah. um, actually worked with me very closely in accounting, mm-hmm. and he just saw that I was excelling in it, and he actually put me in to be a tutor for the other students that were in accounting, so I was trying to do that during like during all my classes and meeting them in the library, and um, that's when he awarded me with the Falkner Award because of the outstanding work that I was doing. Wow. <laughs> I love I I love um, folks who are just enamored by by numbers like I'm enamored by words. Yeah, Yeah. it's just like we're on two opposite sides (laughs) of the streets. Yeah. Yeah. We all have to have our path. Um, So while you're you're going to school, you didn't like your 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 um, professional life is still busy. Like you're still how many jobs are you working now? Um, At that time, I was waitressing two jobs at night. Okay. Um, so you're going to school in the day mm-hmm. and then you're waitressing two jobs at night. Mm-hmm. When do you do homework? So as soon as my son would go to sleep, I would get into the books. So um, sometimes I'd have to have people come yeah. and sit with him and watch him. My mother was a huge supporter um, mm. through all of this. And so thank you, Mom. Mm-hmm. And um, so as soon as, you know, he would go to sleep and mm-hmm. then I would get out of work yeah. and all of that, then I would just nonstop just doing something. Yeah. You just mentioned your village. Um, and our village doesn't have to constitute like um, a ton of folks, but even if it's that one or two or three individuals who show up when we most need them, did you find that your village showed up for you in those moments? Absolutely. So um, my village consisted of my mom, um, my dad, my stepmom, and my best friend, mm-hmm. um, who's actually my husband now. Okay. <laughs> That's a great village. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow, nice. It it it. You know, the reason why the village um, concept is so important is because we truly can't do it alone. And you know, we've you know, my husband and I, when we've moved around for work and things like that, um, we never usually had family where we um, where we moved to, but we always found good people and friends who sort of became like a part of our village, and that helped, especially when the kids are little. Yeah, it's so important. Yeah, I mean, I know the first one I had, I like people would say, "Oh, we can help," and I was like, "No, it's fine. <laughs> I'm good. We can. We we're fine." Because you're like, it's your first child. You're like, I don't know you. <laughs> Second and the third, you're like here. <laughs> yeah, here's the diaper bag. Have fun. <laughs> the doors, you're like closing the door. It's like you hear burning rubber. <laughs> yeah. I'm out. I'm out. Um, But yeah, that village is so important. But so, you know, you're able to have these jobs. You're able to go through BCC. You're excelling. You're receiving these commendations. And you graduate. I did. You graduate. And I mean, and, and so... What did that mean for you? I mean, obviously, you know, from when your dad had said to you, listen, education is going to be the outlet to which you're going to have more opportunities. When you graduated BCC, what was life like for you at that point? 
Um, I remember during my graduation, I was so nervous. I was afraid I was going to trip across the stage oh, no. and everything else. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, I can't do this. And as I go up to shake the president of the college's hand, um, I hear my son at that time just yell, go, Mommy. Oh. And I was like, he sees me. He mm. sees everything that I'm doing. And it's not just for me. It's for both of us mm. to just have that moment to have you know a larger income being able to say i have an associate's degree now and i can be here and this is what i'm capable of oh my goodness did you tear up when yeah i just like i lost it and i would just and then came down and just walking up that aisle and seeing like my sisters and my mom and my dad and my stepmom and my best friend Mm. being there and just like the the look on their face just i accomplished this so proud of you, yeah. right? I mean, because they saw, and again, it's that, it's peeling back the onion. They saw what others didn't. You know, when we leave our house in the morning, we look all polished, we look all mm-hmm. fancy, we got our heels on. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we are looking cute. But what people don't see is the work mm-hmm. that goes beyond that and behind that they don't see those late nights they don't see those tears they don't see the struggle right they don't see i can't make it out tonight i have work to do Mm -hmm. or i have to go and work and so you didn't stop and why i think your story is so inspirational is because you know sometimes people think if i'm a young mom or dad you know my life is has stopped and they think that this is it and it seems like in order to get past where you your current circumstances, you have to literally push through. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that resiliency that you are equipped with, because I don't think it goes away. It doesn't. Yeah. Once I have my eyes on something, yeah. I'm getting to it. Mm. It doesn't, like nothing really stops me. You know, there's there are speed bumps. That slow you down along the way and you're Mm -hmm. like, am I really, is this what I'm really supposed to be doing? Is this the path that I'm supposed to be on? And then you're like, yes, yeah, I am. So Mm. let's get there. Let's, you know, lower this speed bump and just keep going. All right, uh, folks, for those listeners just tuning in, my guest today is Tanya Frazier. She's a lead community navigator at Central Habitat for Humanity. And we're just talking a little bit about her um, path to uh, to success and what brought her there. Um, and she's talking sharing a little bit about those challenges that have fortified her. Um, but all of that, all of that. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit because BCC wasn't the end. It wasn't. You ended up enrolling at MCLA. I did. Yeah. And I now have my bachelor's degree Yay. in business. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I did finish it in 2020 when <sighs> COVID shut down. So we were not able to have our graduation. Mm. Um, but luckily enough, before that, I was inducted into the Delta Mu Delta Honor Society. So I was able to be in person for that. And that was like the last thing that we had. <laughs> Wow, you are amazing. And and I think you're an inspiration um again to those who think my dreams have st- have have stopped or they're halted because of certain circumstances and you're proof that it's not your circumstances that stop you. It's it's that drive, mm-hmm. right? You have to have that drive. Right. So, 
All of this is important because of the work that you do with Central Habitat for Humanity. And um, but before you you um, entered your current role as lead community navigator, you actually took on like a finance position. So when I first started at Habitat, um, it was September 30th, mm-hmm. 2019 that I started there um, as the finance manager. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before I worked at like CPA firms and in different accounting positions, and I just always felt like something was missing. There's like, I love doing this work, but mm-hmm. there's something just missing. Was it like a nagging feeling that like, because I'm sure you're feeling life was more comfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you're feeling like this is good. I'm my son and I, my family were in a good place. So what was that feeling like for you that made you think that something else is out there? You know when, like, on your way to work and you're like, ugh, Mm. I got to go to work. Mm -hmm. Like, that feeling, Mm -hmm. I was tired of that. Mm. Like, I wanted to feel like I'm doing what I love. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. I wanted that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so... When I started at Habitat and being the finance manager, I'm like, okay, I'm in with my numbers. Okay. You know, me and my numbers, we're good. <laughs> right. Numbers leading. <laughs> yeah. And um, just seeing, like, the compassion mm. that was there in the office and the community and trying to build affordable housing mm-hmm. and all of that and revitalizing neighborhoods that are underfunded and under-resourced mm. and I'm like, okay, so I have the best of both worlds now. I have my numbers, mm-hmm. and I have this sense of doing something that's bigger than me. Right. Okay. All right. So, obviously, now you're you're feeling fulfilled, but when did the transition come about? Because to make a shift from a finance position to a lead community navigator— both have merit, both have value, but they're in two different buckets. Absolutely. So how did you, and you're a numbers person, mm-hmm. like you, numbers are your friends. How did you make that switch? <laughs> so thank you, COVID. Um, when uh, our office, unfortunately, we weren't really able to shut down completely, mm-hmm. but um, the school shut down. So I had to, I had to be home, yeah. um, both myself and my husband being there, helping the children with their schoolwork. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't be at the office. And, you know, the, the scary thought of we're at the time, you know, waiting for the vaccine to come out right. and couldn't, you know, bring anything home to the kids. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my youngest... Um, Let's see. He was like two. Yeah. So I was afraid, you know, what was going to happen. And so Carolyn, um, my boss at Habitat, said, you know, unfortunately, we can't really do the accounting work remotely. Mm-hmm. And I would need you to be into the office. And, you know, we came up with a game plan of we saw the need of more people being involved in the community, especially during COVID. Right. Like there's so many resources that needed um, to be directed to the community members mm-hmm. and trying to navigate through all of that. The right. biggest one that I first started on was the unemployment. Yes. Trying to help people apply for the unemployment and all that. Um, the food pantry, the members of the community weren't able to get to the food pantry because of the schools being closed and right. they couldn't leave their kids at home and didn't want to pack them up and bring them to go get the food pantry. So we worked with um South Congregational Church to mm-hmm. set up a food delivery system, and it's still going to this day. Is it really? It is that they're 
these amazing volunteers. I swear they're angels on earth. Um, they, you know, pick up the food from there and they deliver it to these families of people that are disabled mm. and, you know, can't leave their house because of other underlying circumstances. Right. Um, and so making that that switch. So at first I was just a community navigator. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and then like you said, once I have my eye on something, uh-huh. I I don't stop. So <laughs> I'm like, we can do this and we can do that and let's bring in, you know, Trisha Farley Bouvier and yes. let's change this and, and all of that. So these are your suggestions like you're you guys are having maybe like your round table, your morning round table and you're talking about all right, what are we gonna tackle today? And you're like, Okay, have this idea and bring that person in. So is that kinda how it went? I mean I'm envisioning it okay. It is. All right. Um, you know, we we tried to make systematic changes Mm. along the way as we're going through everything Mm -hmm. um and so in doing that Mm. actually you know a position open for a lead community navigator and carolyn was like tanya that's you like you take charge Mm. of this and once you know like you are a huge advocate for the community Mm -hmm. community members trust you they come to you Regardless, and this isn't just a a Monday through Friday, nine to five job. Like I'm constantly. Well, let's talk about that because you live on the West Side. I do. And when we talk about trust, you think it's because one community member see you, they know you, you're there. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's one thing to have someone come and visit and say, hey, how's it going? But to actually be entrenched in a community and be a part of that community that's a gateway to trust right yeah yeah it's huge Mm. um you know being in the west side especially living there um i think that's part of the reason why you know i got the job um you know when i was interviewing with carolyn she was like oh you only live right up the street (laughs) well come on down (laughs) yeah so um that was nice because usually when you tell people where you live they kind of look at you like oh you live in the west side wait Mm. hmm Really? Really. Hmm. So it was nice that, you know, I was being seen hmm. as that's amazing. Yeah. You live in the West Side. Like this could be amazing. The the work that you can do and it's not just for another community. It's directly your community yeah. that's going to impact your children as well, well. That's unfortunate though. That's unfortunate that you um, experienced that reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, it was something that I, I knew, especially from coming in from the outside. I mean, you've been in in Pittsville for for you know a while now, but you lived when you lived in his. I'm sure there were people who had preconceived notions of what it was like to live in the city, right? And then you know, forget the city, then the West Side. You know, mm-hmm. people already have their preconceived notions. And you live in there. You are able to say, hold on, hold on. This is a community with people who care about each other, Mm -hmm. people who look out for their neighbors, people who look out for the children and people who care about the children. We're a community like any other community. Absolutely. Isn't isn't it? It's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable that their reaction. But that's why that's even more reason why you're needed. Right. So you step into the lead community navigator role. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. So at first it was um, a lot to juggle Uh because it wasn't just being out in the community. Mm. It was reaching out to the resources Mm -hmm. in um, in Pittsfield and having like professional development days with them and having them come in and say, 
this is what we do, um, you know, our, our programs, and how can you get that to the community members? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, you know, things are identified of, well, maybe the community members would enjoy, you know, um, and more interaction mm-hmm. or the recycling bins being closer to them for them to pick up at right. the Habitat office instead of trying to figure out how to navigate right. that whole situation. Right. Um, and especially, you know, there were extra funds allocated um, due to COVID mm-hmm. and trying to get those to the community members so that they could get back on their feet after COVID, like, mm. I feel like swept everybody. Mm. Would you, <clears throat> excuse me, would you say that being in this work, what are some of the um, the biggest challenges that people have? Because when we think about that disconnect, I mean, obviously, as a lead community navigator, you are a bridge builder. But when you're looking at both sides, what are some of the factors that are influencing that chasm, right? That chasm of disconnect, because is it that people, is it that they don't know, they don't know where to go? What are some of the things that you have seen affect the community that you serve? Um, The majority of it is that they don't know Mm. or that there's a stigma behind going and getting help Mm -hmm. and receiving assistance when you're down and, you know, you you don't need it forever. Maybe you're just down this week or, you know, this month or you just lost your job or, you know, life happens. Right. And that's the biggest thing is that I just don't want anyone to think that less of themselves Mm -hmm. um, because of a hardship that they're going through. That doesn't define you. Mm. What defines you is how you're able to overcome it. And you can overcome that with the help of the community. Right. You also mentioned something. You said that of maybe the stigma and how they might be um, treated um, Mm -hmm. when they go into certain organizations. Have you been able to convey some of those concerns to some of the organizations so that they can change their systems? We have. Okay. Um, That's a huge part of what we do as well Mm -hmm. is, you know, advocating for the community and saying, well, I have a community member that came to you a month ago and this is how they were treated. And then they never got the same resource as someone that just walked in yesterday. Why was that? Hmm. So it's more of digging into these different Mm -hmm. organizations in Pittsfield and kind of giving them that like, woke moment yeah, I guess you yeah. can say why in this moment like it came to my mind like the equalizer with Queen Latifah <laughs> I was like I mean I love that show and I know you're not doing what the equalizer is doing to that extent but it just I just I think about like that term just came to my mind like the equalizer like yes yeah creating that playing field so that all can enjoy yes absolutely I love that show yeah I love it too <laughs> that's why i had to preface and say you are not doing everything that the equalizer does if anyone watches that show they know what queen latifah does (laughs) and that is not what tanya is doing she is not dismantling barriers like that (laughs) she is using her voice right using her voice and and her passion to 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 do this good work but it's so needed because I think back to, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about working cities. Because yeah. I, 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 you know, I am so proud to say that I was a part of that work from the inception. And I know it's in its evolving stages right now. It so, is. you know, um, from how it started. But one of the things and, and, and so for folks.
folks who don't know, Working Cities really was an initiative um, through like the Boston Fed and Berkshire Bridges Working Cities. And really, it was our opportunity here through this grant funding to basically set the stage for what Pittsfield could look like in the future. Basically, goal setting of sorts and saying, if we could imagine a Pittsfield where all our residents could thrive and have a good quality of life, what would it take to get there? Mm-hmm. And so the work of Working Cities really meant put in energy and effort toward initiatives um, involving the people so that they can tell us what they want. So you're a part of this work as it stands now. Tell me about the intersection between working cities and being a lead community navigator. Um, so when I first started as a community navigator, I was under the mm-hmm. Berkshire Bridges. Yeah, um, It was a grant. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, when the grant runs out, there's no more money, right? right. So right. how do we continue to do this work um, that is desperately needed yes. in this area? Um, and so Habitat picked up the navigators. Um, and so I'm still able mm-hmm. to do the work that I was doing previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's just under Berkshire Habitat because yes. Habitat was the backbone yeah. company for... Yes the um yeah working cities yeah it and 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 that's such an important thing to know you like you mentioned that grant funding i mean people think sometimes grant funding lasts forever it doesn't right and then after you have to figure out how are we going to you know how is this going to be sustainable and i appreciate the fact that habitat saw the necessity in this because the work wasn't finished because the money ran out right (laughs) It was like it's never it was like, it's never done. It was never done. It was there was more to do and and so it, you know it's so important that there are boots on the ground. How many how many navigators would you say roughly there are right now? So we just hired on three more. So okay. altogether there's five of us. That's great. Now does everyone have as a lead navigator, I'm sure you might have maybe different a different set of functions, but does everyone have sort of like a certain bucket that they attend to or or is it sort of like roundtable, everyone gets assigned different projects at the start of a day? Um, so it's kind of, um, let's see. So there's two lead community navigators. Mm-hmm. Um, it's myself and Connie. Mm-hmm. And then, and she's bilingual. So it really helps to reach both um, yeah. areas. And then we have Maria, okay. um, who is another bilingual navigator. Mm-hmm. We have Miles. Um, and then we have Lauda. Okay. who is another um, bilingual community navigator. So what they do is they reach out to mm. their community. Yes. Um, and then they assist those community members. And we have a weekly check-in mm. where everyone comes in as a navigator. Mm-hmm. And we go over okay. um, the cases that we're working on and if I know something that they might need for mm-hmm. a community member, that's kind of when we all, it's like all of our brains being mushed together mm. in this meeting and just coming up with every possible way to help someone through a hardship. I love it. I mean, it it really is that um, <clears throat> community first model where you're hearing directly from the people and <clears throat> sorry, I'm so, I don't know why <laughs> my throat is doing this today. I need more water. Um, but you're hearing directly from the people who are informing you of what they need. Mm-hmm. And then you take that information and then you adjust 
based on their recommendations. Absolutely. Mm. And that was the whole idea. I remember thinking about, you know, I feel like Working Cities, when it first came onto the scene, that was, it, it really shifted the model because prior to that, it was sort of this top down approach where the powers that be, whoever they may be, would say, this is what we think is great. This is what we think is fabulous. All right, let's tell them whoever they are. Right. And then that would be it. And with the work in cities mindset, it was like, hold on, what are the people saying? Mm-hmm. Who's missing at the table? You know, Work in Cities Wednesdays was great for instituting this community first model where we heard directly from the community members, right? Right. And so, yeah. unfortunately, we did have to mm. put a stop to Working well, City COVID. Wednesdays. Um, we were still doing it on Zoom. I know. So it, it was weird. It was weird. It was, yeah, yeah. different. <laughs> um, I like the face-to-face. I like seeing people's, you know, reactions yes. and their faces. So, um, but the, the main reason is that four mm-hmm. of us, including myself, um, we actually just finished, but we were enrolled in the Citizens Academy that ah. the city of Pittsfield offers so that we could go mm-hmm. to each place around the city and learn more um, about what she, what each organization offers and get to hear from the department heads. And um, they were probably really tired of seeing my hand going up <laughs> or hearing me with my think, questions. I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I have a little insider information and I think they love to see your oh, hand yay. going. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean, let's talk about Citizens Academy because, um, and, and, and a shout out to my colleague, Catherine Van Bramer, for instituting this wonderful program to, to bolster um, citizen engagement in our city. Tell me about that, because oftentimes people say, I love when people say the city and the city becomes this amorphous blob that takes over and it's like there are no faces in the blob. It's just the city. Being a part of Citizens Academy, you realize the blob doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's people right. doing the work. Tell me how it was a- how you were able to expand your awareness or dispel notions that you may have had prior to being a part of this program. Um, so it's funny because our last um, Citizens Academy with wit- was with Alex from the library, uh-huh. the director of the library. Um, he's amazing. We love him. And, yes, yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, you know, asked everyone, like, what is your one word to describe how the Citizens Academy was for you? Mm-hmm. And my one word was eye-opening mm-hmm. because I did have um, some feelings about the city. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there there's still work to be done there and always, everything. Always. Um but it was eye opening to me because I was able to see who runs each department, mm-hmm. right? Like and every time that they would go up and talk and they're like, My door is always open. Mm-hmm. You know, like always come in and ask me questions and send me an email and here's my contact information and mm-hmm. this is how we do this and our social media and all the different social media pages that are just in the city, yeah. right? Because each department has their own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was nice to see how passionate they are well, about not, the work. Not quite with the social media. Not all. <laughs> not every department has their own. A few do, but not all of them. We still have our clearinghouse, City Hall Facebook page. Follow right. it. 
Go ahead. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it, you know, seeing somebody's face and yeah. just getting to know them as a human yes, instead yes. of attaching to them the work that they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the divide in mm-hmm. the city right now mm-hmm. is like people forget that there's humans mm-hmm. in these positions mm-hmm. that have feelings. And, you know, I, I've i been a very vocal person mm-hmm. um, at city council and yes. speaking about everything. Yeah. And so um, just seeing them in a different light, um, all the departments in the city and all the work that they're doing and everything. But mm-hmm. so I would recommend that anybody, um, any, you know, Pittsfield resident, enroll into the Citizens Academy. Yes, absolutely. So you heard it here first. Um, and, you know, Tanya, no one is paying Tanya. This is um, this is a free um, promo for Citizens Academy, okay? <laughs> um, but it's it's an honest one. And, and it's so true. If you've ever had questions about how the city works, or if you want to know how the sausage is made, so to speak, please um, learn more. If you visit cityofpittsfield.org on the homepage there will be a link for Citizens Academy you can learn more um, and find out what the process is but it's free it's readily available to everyone and guess what it's knowledge right and knowledge there's no there's no price tag on knowledge because once you have it it's yours and no one can take it away so inform yourself avail yourself of this information that's available to you it's your city Mm -hmm. it's your city and you have a right to find out how things are working right so also while i was going um through the citizens academy and each department is talking about like what they do and everything Mm -hmm. and i would bring back the feedback from the community. So the, like that was my time mm. to have these conversations with the department heads. Like, mm-hmm. yes, this is what you're doing, but does the community know about this? Right. Like, how are you getting your information out? Right. Um, and that actually sparked, you know, a couple of the department heads coming to Habitat and yep. doing a professional development and getting more engaged with the community. And how can we do this? Because um, if you don't know, you don't know. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. And 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 so and in the absence of information is a lot of opinion. Right. Or people just say, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like a lot of opinion. People just don't know. And so I definitely would encourage anyone who is just curious about learning more about government to check out Citizens Academy. It's there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So. Obviously, Citizens Academy is um, has been really, really um, essential um, to this work. So that's a great thing for us to know. Um, and I believe that there's also going to be a way that it's going to be integrated um, into sort of the work for the uh, the navigators. Is that so? I'm hoping so. <laughs> um, I did have a conversation with Catherine um, at the last, yes. you know, Citizens Academy class, uh-huh. and. I was like, as I went through this program, uh-huh. right, and seeing, like, all these department heads and saying what they can do and everything, yes. I was like, that's everything that the navigators are, are out here trying to do mm. is bridge that gap between what resources are out here and how they get them. Right. So 
can you bring your Citizens Academy class next session, Catherine, over to Habitat mm. so that they can learn more about the navigating program yeah. and know that they're not alone in this. Right. And it's not just us going out there and doing the legwork mm. for you, right? Like, yes, we can help you fill out an application mm-hmm. and everything, but there's so much more behind it. It's giving them power to mm. their voice, making them feel loved and valued and all that because all that it takes sometimes is just saying hello to somebody and it sparks a huge conversation and you know that could be the first person that day that that made eye contact with them and said hello and made them feel valued and heard and seen and that's what we're trying to do it's not just about getting them the resources yes that's a part of it but it's also bringing community back and that's how this is going to be done is, you know, one, we help one person and word of mouth of, well, I got help from the community navigators over at Habitat and this is what they were able to help me with. But it wasn't just yeah. the application. They sat down and they actually listened to me. They advocated for me. They changed something for me. And can anyone who needs the assistance of a community navigator, can anyone just call up Habitat and say, I need your help? Yes. Okay. Anyone. All right. All right. Is there a number that they can call? There is. So (laughs) the phone number to Habitat uh, is Mm 413-442-3181. And my direct line is extension zero. All right. So there you go. If you need assistance and help, it's here for you. So you do not have to suffer alone. Um, Is there a particular... Um, project or initiative that has just reaffirmed within all the work that you're doing, reaffirmed why you're doing it, because there's so many good things I would I would assume and I know. um, But is there something that has stuck with you? Um, I would say the biggest thing that I'm advocating Mm -hmm. for right now is the change in the mental health in the city of Pittsfield. Okay. Um, And in doing so, you know, like I said, I have become very vocal mm-hmm. at city council and, you know, like everyone hears it and sees it if they watch it on PCTV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's emotional. Um, you know, a, a coworker mm-hmm. that I had, um, his life was cut short due to a mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of emotion behind it and yeah. feeling. And so, you know, working with his family and the community and trying to figure out something that's going to work. But, um, you know, there's been two social workers that have been added on so that there's more work um, behind that to be done. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's never over. Um, There's there's always work to be done. There's always something to advocate for. There's there's always something. But this is what has Mm. really um, resonated with me. And has became, you know, my, my focus point. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, it, it deeply impacted the, the death of, of Miguel. Um, deeply impacted um, um, not only the, the Habitat community, but so many people within our community. And so um, I think as we you know, took a step back. It's like, where do we go from here? Right. Where do we go from here? And how do we continue to listen to our community so that we can find that path forward to help? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, You know, and a saying that 
you know, has has kind of always stuck with me um, is an injustice anywhere is an injustice everywhere. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just for, you know, this particular instance. Mm -hmm. And this is what has sparked the work. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there are other places inside of Massachusetts that have made changes and right. that we could possibly integrate into Pittsfield mm-hmm. and and work with each other and, you know, just move forward um, and, and get everyone the help that they need regardless of, Absolutely. of anything that they have going on. I, I think that we just need to yeah. bring it back to we're all humans. Absolutely. And I think, you know, like, you know, like you said, the recognition of the Mental health, I mean, the needs, it's so great. And I know that we have now that full-time social worker in PPD and one will be added um, through the city. And so it's those small changes um, that are put in place to help create this lasting change that we need, that our community needs, quite frankly. Um, So it's, it's, it's always hard. Right. Mm -hmm. It's always hard to go through a tragedy. Um, But we always say, like, all right, once that happens, how how do we gather ourselves and and move forward? And what does that movement forward look like? And and I think, it, you know, like on that the city's end of things, having the recognizing like the the need for the social worker and um, not only PPD, but in throughout the the city hall departments, um, but also the collaborative work of our partners in the community, because it's going to take we talked about that village. Right. This requires that same village mentality like it it requires all of us to have skin in the game and our partners who are doing this work everyone to say how are we tackling it because it's not there's so many people who have so many needs Mm -hmm. so many needs with mental health absolutely it um um, the tragedy really you know affected us at habitat um mm -hmm. it affected each of us differently i know that i myself was not in a good Um, state of mind Mm -hmm. for a while there and the biggest thing for me was my children are biracial Mm -hmm. Um, and so not only just doing this because of Miguel but doing this because of my children Mm. and what what's in the future for them Mm -hmm. so my children are my biggest drive Mm -hmm. um, behind everything that I do Mm -hmm. and I want to leave you know a, a print behind Mm -hmm. for them i'm I'm not always going to be here you know there's going to become a day where mama's not here right um but i want to leave something behind for them that they can be proud of and still be a part of and you know their ages range from 18 um 14 12 (laughs) 8 and 4 yes so we're all over the map over here um but they are all engaged in their community in a different way and you know they they're starting to see it differently. Yeah. They're starting to think differently and approach people differently mm. because of this. So mm. this was really um, changing for mm. everybody, for everybody. It impacted everybody so differently. Yeah, it's um, I think, you know, one, the fact that, you know, your your kids can see in you um, that 
role model, right? Um, and to know that you're out there, you know, fighting that good fight. Um, and it and 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 they're watching and, and their ages are enough where they can choose to get involved, like mm-hmm. you said, and do their own work um and figure out their place in all of this. But I think that they have um they have a model in you to to show that if you see something you don't have to just stay on the sidelines. Right. You can use your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've been pretty consistent about that. I mean, it wasn't just this particular tragedy. It, If you look at the arc of your life, you've consistently done that. And so I think that they see that um, they see the legitimacy right. in it and in the work that you do. Um, but tragedy is hard. It is. Tragedy is hard. And I don't think that... Um, we, we cultivate a new way of going on, but, you know, healing is always a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Every day. Every day. Every day. Um, wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Pretty, pretty deep, heavy. Um, I feel I got to switch gears now and ask you something <laughs> that's not so heavy. Um, but when you're not working... What do you do to unwind? Because obviously you are in work that can take a toll emotionally um, and it runs the gamut. So what do you do to clear your head and get back to a space of wholeness? Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm really bad at Hmm. self-care. Really bad. Um, For me, you know, the biggest thing is just being around my family. Yeah. Um, Dinner time. Yeah, that's that's the time to mm-hmm. kind of yeah. unwind, um, hear about their day at school, see if they need help with anything, you know, um, mm-hmm. schoolwork or friendship wise or, you know, breaking down a conversation that they heard earlier in the day, mm-hmm. um, anything like that. So dinner time is a huge thing for me, being able to be all there together. Um, besides that, we, you know, watch football every Sunday. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, you know, I'm usually in the kitchen mm-hmm. cooking all the snacks and making, you know, a nice little spread for okay, everybody. Okay. Um, besides that, you know, in summertime we love being outside. I love the beach. Okay. That's my that's my zen. That's if I could zen. get to the beach, I will be happy. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know what? You gotta find what works for you. And um and we all have those things that bring joy to us and bring a smile to our faces. If you had to choose one word to describe you, what would that be? Um, oh, that's a hard one. Um, I never do self-reflection, really. <laughs> I'm always just like, go get them, tiger. Um, I would say resilient. Okay. I see that. <laughs> I see that. You're a strong woman. You're a strong woman. Thank you. Oh, boy. What a great conversation. It thank was you. amazing. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Um, thank you, Tanya. And so uh, to my listeners joining in, we had uh, a great conversation with Tanya Frazier, lead community navigator with Central Berkshire Habitat for Humanity. And everyone, you've been listening to Backstory. Let's hear it on WTBRFM Pittsville with Roberta McCulloch-Dews of the Mayor's Office in the city of Pittsville. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.